0: you're listening to the podcast detroit network visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information 1935 the lions win the nfl championship the detroit tigers take the world series the red wings bring home lord stanley's cup joe lewis begins his rise to world domination this transforms the motor city into detroit city of champions and we're off yet again. Detroit Episode three, man, city of champions. I'm Jamie Flanagan, Charles Avison, and uh, Charles. I just uh, I want to thank you for taking the time and doing this. Uh, this was my crazy idea, but your amazing information. Uh, this trilogy of books, Detroit City of Champions. And again, I'm not trying to make it infomer- infomercial about the books. Go buy them. Uh.
1: <laughs> well, I want to stop you right there and thank you, Jamie, because it's an opportunity to do it. And I mean, you guys have a you know awesome studio here. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, it's great. It's and I, it's like I've you know, I just appreciate the opportunity because it's it's one of the, it's. I mean, it really is one of the first that I've had to really bring this thing out and um, talk about. You know dive deeper into the story so i i thank you so and, and that's just what we're doing we're just talking
0: about it and and mm. we're just cuz you are just as wealth of information and knowledge uh, combined, how many pages between the three books and the screenplay? How many pages are there? There's about a, not, oh, you said a Couple thousand. thousand.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I'd say, I'd say, I'd
0: say, uh, yeah, I'd say two thousand. Seven years of research yep. and uh, just facts upon facts and photos and, and letters and articles and, and things you've gone through. And and we're not, I mean, we're not working off of notes. We're just working out of your brain here. And because uh, you were like really upset before we got going. Yeah. I was and you're like, oh, I missed man.
1: that. I misquoted
0: something. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what,
1: what 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 did you say? Well, it's like it, it, so. The, and I forgot if it was episode one or two, but yeah. I said that the um that I said that the the uh, the Lions had won two championships in the 1950s, and that the Red Wings had had won three. And yeah. It's actually three and four. The red the Lions had won three championships. The Red Wings had won four. Okay. Right. On. And so it was like you know it's one of those things like you know, you, you and, know I just I you know I, I you know if, we, if I make a mistake somewhere like that I oh get and sports to, fanatics are gonna it. pick sure. absolutely you know absolutely. and, and, look, and well sh- should they you know what I mean yeah. Well should they. And so yeah,
0: I mean so we get something again, but we're just having a conversation yeah. and, and 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 you know, you're not reading
1: out of the books. I, I mean, know, but it's crazy because I've said that a million like I've used it at <laughs> my at the art shows and stuff a million times and yeah, it was yeah. like I was listening back. I had you know, I was listening to the show and I go, How the hell did I do oh, that? Oh my god. Like I can't even be, like I mean, it's almost automatic. I've said it so many times. Yeah. I just it was it was a glaring error. And so All right. You know, I'm you know, it's I I, I admit my, my mistakes. If so things that like
0: mistake. that pop up. Yep. Go to the website uh, DetroitCityOfChampions.com, uh, dot com and uh, send all your complaints there. Charles is, yeah. is just dying to hear them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell us how wrong yeah. we are. Yeah, but if
1: uh, I do, but if I see something, if I, you know, I yeah, I have no problem So we'll say we I might really circle back and because uh,
0: yeah. again we're not. We're, I'm just you're just telling me these stories and so uh, yeah if we, we we fumble on a, a fact uh,
1: you know and we catch it later or somebody helps yeah. us catch it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm all about learning too. And I've like yeah. you know, learned and grown from these own stories. Like I've seen other perspectives on different things and kind of, uh, you know, just, I mean, it's, I think really that's a lot of things about life too is like, be, you know, being open to, you know, admitting you're wrong about something and, um, you know, you know, only really, you know, if you're open to possibility just in this is with everything, like, I mean, that's, that's the definition of learning. Like you're not born with, you know, knowing everything. So if you, you know, if you're open to it saying, you know, Hey, I see something from a different perspective and I can, I can alter the way you see something you learn and grow. And I think that's really like the definition of learning. But in this case, it was already a lesson that I knew. (laughs) I just, I made a mistake in saying it. So so we'll catch them when we make, we fumble, we'll catch them and and
0: we'll correct them. And, uh, we're here at the podcast Detroit studios podcast Detroit Northville. Uh, and, uh, this is a project. These, these studios with, uh, my, my buddy, my pal, Matt Fox, and who's been running the first. Uh, four things that we've recorded, and we've yet to say thank you to
1: Matt. For oh, yeah, that's great. It's a thankless job <laughs> thank in here. All right. No, yeah. I love the story. I love the legacy. I love the history, and happy to sit here and just listen with everybody.
0: So, else. yeah, Matt, thanks for helping out, and because uh, yeah, because yeah, we're just trying to catch a story. We we talked about you know Detroit really struggling. It was the depression, and uh, just the 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 Tigers had a decent year. Uh, There was Garwood was doing good in in motorsports, and so things were on the uptick uh, a little bit. But what really turned things around for the Tigers, you told me, uh, and that's what we're going to get into here in episode three is the genesis, the arrival. Uh, Of Mickey Cochran. And this is kind of the turning point that leads us into 1935, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So Mickey Cochran, Mickey Cochran was like really instrumental in in making this Tiger team team happen. The way I'm rocking my Tigers. I noticed that. That's an awesome shirt. Hawaiian shirt
1: line uh, yeah. with the Tiger D on his. that is
0: yeah but uh, uh, for people tuning in on Facebook or watching <laughs> it on YouTube later um, yeah That's I need cheesy. to start de-
1: upgrading my D- you know Tiger Panther finale <laughs> my goal then, is yeah. to wear
0: <laughs> a Detroit t-shirt every time or some sort of Detroit shirt every time uh, so I'm gonna So we're, we're three for three
1: yeah yeah excellent I may, I may have I've some have actually reboots. got City of Champions shirts maybe I'll start bringing oh, some holes that we can crap. actually like, uniform for the Hell show yeah. or something yeah
0: we're in, but Mickey Mickey Cochran, uh, he was really, you know, it was the turning point, and just for the for the Tigers, what can you what can you tell me about Mickey's career before?
1: Well, the I actually wanted to lead off as kind of a little bit of a sort of a surprise for you because. Okay. Um, because every time I've mentioned Iffy the Dulpster, mm-hmm. you know, you get excited. he has got a great name. I, I love Ify. it. I love 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 the Dulpster. Yeah, and so uh, and I did too. Like like I grew up as a, as a kid just reading newspapers. Every once in a while, back in the you know back in the late nineties, I would see an Iffy the Dulpster section in the free presser news. <laughs> and to this, and like I always thought it was cool. And I and I wonder now um, that if it you know I just look back on that and I wonder if it was somebody writing that like you know you use that that original Iffy the Dopster who was in the 20s and 30s and his name is Malcolm Bingay and he was the, um, sports editor of the Detroit Free Press. And so, um, and so yeah, so I, I wonder if they would kind of just conjure that nickname or whatever because it was strange for me just to, cause I remember reading about Iffy the Dopster when I was, you know, as a kid growing up. And then when I was doing the 20s and 30s research, you know, I'm seeing Iffy the Dopster all over the place. Yeah. I'm going, Oh my God, there's this weird, you know, there's like this, you know, maybe there's like this legacy, but, okay. but I haven't seen it in in, in recent years. So, but anyway, so what I have for you is, um, it, the, it, like I, we've talked about in the previous shows that at the end of 1933, right. okay, the Tigers were, like I say, the situation in Detroit was really, Garwood was the only um, really notable sports, you know, thing going on in the city. Um, and the Tigers were, you know, the Tigers were, you know, fan favorites, but at this time they were dreadful for for many years in a row. Um, and so I told you about I call it the riot act. If he you know, wrote an article in the paper saying the tigers are dreadful and they need to do something about it, you know it's time to do something about it. And then that is what what like I don't know if that was the catalyst of what came next with Mickey Cochran, but at the very least, um, it you know it was big enough that Fred Lieb, who is probably my favorite sports historian. Wrote about it in the book, in his, in his, uh, you know, definitive guide on the Detroit Tigers, which is an absolute must, by the way. If anybody, if anybody's really a Detroit Tigers sports, hist- um, you know, into sports history, um, this, the, the, the book by Fred Lieb just called The Detroit Tigers is an absolute must read. It, okay. it goes through the early night, early 1800s with Detroit baseball and everything. So, tremendous read. But anyways, so what I have for you is a read, and I want to read you that just, you know, the if he's, article okay very it's it's not too long that call to
0: action from 1933
1: yeah it's so so the idea is you gotta do
0: it in the old timey voice no i don't think i can do that not as good as as as
1: buddy. but they um but anyways and so it's it's not that long but it but it gives you but i love it because it really takes you into the mentality of the people before 1934 this is at the end of 33 prior to mickey cochran's arrival right and and it really shows the mentality this and keep on so this is so this is fred lieb sort of set you know setting it up so he says he says, and Detroit was pretty well fed up with that six straight second division club. Even usually loyal Malcolm W. Bingay, Iffy the Dopster, by now editor of the Detroit Free Press, had had his fill and wrote his own Declaration of Independence. The Free Press ran his two column editorial in a in twelve point Roman type, big enough to smack Frank Naven, the owner of the Tigers, and anyone else interested right in the face. It didn't pull any punches and was headed, We Want Tigers, Not Tame Kittens. And so this is the article. That that was the headline. We want Tigers, not tame kittens. Not tame kittens. You can see there was a huge article like, you (laughs) know, it's like he was the editor of the Free Press, so he could really, you know, make this the the centerpiece of that particular day. So he says 24 – this is iffy. So 24 years ago, the Detroit Tigers won their last pennant. Detroit has not had a winning baseball team since Huey Jennings was dropped with scant ceremony to make way for Ty Cobb as manager. Cobb was a flop. Moriarty, who followed, was worse. And Bucky Harris has shown himself no better. Detroit, long one of the best baseball towns in America – has been steadily losing interest in the sport because of lifeless teams under a lifeless management. If baseball is a sport, then Frank Navid should bestir himself to present to the playing public some form of competition. If baseball is merely a vaudeville performance with, with the gate as the index of a team's success, then the sport fans are entitled to know it. Professional baseball is naturally a business, a money-making proposition, but there must be behind it a sporting instinct, a desire to win, in order to give the public its money money's worth and thrills. Bucky Harris is a nice young man, but he is not an inspirational leader. He has had five years of trial here and has done absolutely nothing. If he had been as good as he had been touted to be, Foxy Clark Griffith would not have dropped him. In essence, he was fired, and he, mm-hmm. said he wouldn't have been fired as a manager if he was really good. Washington, the team that canned him as a manager, is at the top of the league. Detroit is doomed, as usual, to the second division. It's up to Mr. Navin to show some sporting blood, to take a gambler's chance, spend some money, get an aggressive leadership. Yes, professional baseball is a business, but it must also be a sport in in order to survive. The Tigers have not shown the old fighting spirit since Bill Yawkey died and Huey Jennings was given the gate. So that's so that's the setup. So you can see, and that's like. Front page of the the free press? Well, I mean, at least in the sports section. I mean, like it was 12-point big font, so it was impossible to miss. Wow. Yeah, so that was the idea. So that was the mentality of Detroit at the time, that a sports editor is like, we're done. We're we're so fed up with this. It's a trash product. There's no competition. There's no spirit. There's no life. Middle of the Great Depression. You know, they, they acknowledge the fact that Detroit was a baseball town up to this point. But there's no, but the product is trash. You see, I mean, it was it there's was, a
0: there's a lot of commiseration going on right now with absolutely. that and and the feelings between our professional teams sure, right now. Sure, uh, the state of our economy right sure. now. and
1: well, that's why I think this um, entire story really does tie in with yeah. the modern day Detroit. I think there's oh. a ton of parallels, and it was kind of how I wrote the screenplay for the movie was to show. You know, I actually, you know, it left room to be, to do like a dual story between the struggles of, you know, kind of now and then the struggles of, you know, yeah, back yeah. in the Great Depression. Cause there is, there's a ton of parallels between then and now. And then, and, and if there is, and this is what I guess one of the things that I, I love about this story is, if that there, if there is parallels from back then, um. Then maybe we can sort of follow some of the examples that they did that like led them into the golden age of the 1950s. You know, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like, what yeah. can we? You know, maybe there's something that you know, things that we can learn on this. So, so again, you know. if
0: he if he made that declaration, mm-hmm. uh, and Navin, because you told me that he was one of those owners that was this was his. Thing. It wasn't like a, was a someone with a lot of other income. money exactly. with a with a secondary baseball yep. passion. This was his business exactly. Uh, and so, what do you think he do? You think that lit the fire under him to make that investment? Yeah, in bringing I mean, Mickey here.
1: I, I th- like I, you know it was never acknowledged by Naven, but it really what came next? I mean, you you I mean it, certainly it wasn't lost on Naven. You know he wouldn't couldn't have been completely. But you know I think one of the the, the elements of of this is that you know it really does rep- represent like maybe he did because. Because, you know, what happened next was huge. Mm-hmm. It was so big. I mean, is it just a coincidence that, like, I mean, just, I don't forgot the exact date off the top of my head, but it was just a month or so later that Naven makes the biggest move he's, like, ever made. I mean, he ne- there was no move bigger in his entire right. career. I mean, they got Ty Cobb, but they also got him as a youngster, and he developed with the Tigers. But there was never, like, a free agent acquisition bigger than what Naven did just a month or so later. So. Um, You know, at the very least, it wasn't lost on him that he needed to do something. And maybe, you know, it's, you know, something like this may have been that trigger thing that said, OK, now's the time. I got to do something or I got to do something else, <laughs> like leave the team you know, like and sell the team or something.
0: Thankfully for us, it was Mickey Cochran. Yes. And yes. Uh, so now, Mickey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I live my life through song lyrics and movie quotes. Stop uh, But Mickey Cochran. <laughs> I'm, I'm 12. I know. Man. All right. Tony Baslin out here, but uh, so Mickey Cochran got it. Was <laughs>
1: that gong man hit the gong? I, I the know. you got to hit that, that gong symbol <laughs> ready to ready to go when he hits
0: that. Uh, so but so Mickey, his career, he he was he he was playing for quite a while before he came to us. Absolutely. So. Yep. How important was his career before us? What do you know about it, Mickey, before Mickey Detroit. was one
1: of the, the, so there's, back in the 1930s, you had, you know, really three, three, that's, well, three of the biggest catchers, three of the best catchers in baseball history played back in the 1930s. I mean, these are, there's, um, I mean, there's, there's only, I mean, there's really not that many catchers in the Hall of Fame. I think off the top of my head, and it's like eight or nine catchers in the Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame, and three of them are from the 1930s. Okay. And so. Um. So you had get. So you have uh, um um uh, Gabby Hartnett for the Cubs over, and 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 then you have um Bill Dickey for the Yankees, who was just one of the absolute legends, and then Mickey Cochran of the Philadelphia Athletics. Those are your three. Those are your three, um like just the best catchers in the game. And Mickey Cochran would playing for for the uh, Philadelphia Athletics for nine years at that point. Wow. Yes, and so he was a uh, um MVP. Actually, wrote this one now, so I didn't get this wrong. That? But he was the uh, 1928 MVP. He started his first year was uh, 1920. uh What was it? 1925. 1928 MVP, and he had led, and he was the heart and soul of the Philadelphia A's that went to the 1929, 30, and 31 World Series, three straight World Series in a row. They won the first two, they lost the third. Mm. But he was like, I mean, he was considered by every, like he was considered by everyone in the game as elite. I mean, it doesn't get any better than Mickey Cochran. He is an elite catcher, and not just because of his performance. He was an incredible offensive, an offensive um, catcher, tremendous defensive catcher. And he was also, I mean, like of that rare breed that is, um, that is, they just say is like a born winner. Like he does like, like he would do anything to win a game. Like, I mean, anything. And so, like, I mean, in the same, cut from the same cloth as like a Ty Cobb, you know, which is just intense to the extreme and does not settle for anything less than victory. And so to have something like, to have him come in. Yeah. Was, was huge. Was yeah, huge. Yeah. yeah. So now these
0: ballplayers of the time, um, because what professional athletes make today is is usually pretty ridiculous money. Sure, uh, were they making? Good money, ridiculous money. Did they have other jobs? Generally speaking, it varied. You know, yeah. it varied.
1: There's not, I don't, in the thirties, there's, I don't think there's really a, you know, a, a you know, definitive blanket over all of it. Um, right. you know, all the players and really even to this day, you know, really even now, there's, no, your, there's yeah. no blanket. Cause I mean, the major, if you're, you know, a lot of times people see, you know, think professional baseball players and, and right off the bat, they go, Oh, they're just super, they're super, you know, wealthy players. Yeah, yeah. But the problem for this is that, the, you know, in, in, in professional baseball, it's, you know, minor league players that are coming up through the chains unless they've gotten a bone like a huge draft signing bonus right, right. um uh, their their actual monthly wages are are, are- pathetic I mean they're absolutely horrible and we talk
0: because here in Metro Detroit we got that Jimmy John's field sure. now and uh, one of my students started a podcast and he's like a sports nut and uh, he had brought in a couple of those players from okay, those cool. from yeah. those those smaller yeah. for those teams and those guys just talk about grinding it out and it's just a grind. like absolutely yeah it's like it's it's but they're so passionate about love, it yeah. you know well, you
1: have to because like minor league players really I mean that's and that's what I'm trying to get to is yeah minor league players their wages are horrendous yeah I mean, you're talking about between $800 and $3,000 a month. I mean, mm. like the top end uh, minor league player, even you know, like even for like a Tigers minor league player, it gets like $3,000 a month. That's top end. Yeah, And I mean, so that's why a lot of times when they get drafted, they might send like a million dollar bonus. And a lot of times that bonus is what carries them, Right. you know, that they kind of live off that bonus and supplement their wages. And usually it's only when they get to the major leagues, they're they're making 500000 a year as a minor league, as a major league minimum. But um it's really after three you know, a couple, three, four years you start the, the team starts to you know, the more the better you are, the more the team wants to start paying you. And so then all of a sudden now you're elite, you know, pay scale. Yeah. But and it was I it, you know, I wanna say it was a lot you know, similar to that, like this. Okay, back then. so you know, there Mickey were different, different wouldn't have been working a side job. He yeah. was a superstar. Right, right. You know, he was a megastar. So I mean he would have he would not have been um is from what I've read anyways, he yeah. would not have been um, you know, necessarily work in a, a side job. Yeah, so, but he
0: was a player and the manager. He was a
1: player, but that's why Navin lo- loved the in. idea because, um, because when he was with the A's, he was just the player. He was just their catcher, right? Right. But when, but Navin um uh, liked the idea of basically getting a two for one because, as you could hear in the Iffy article, mm. they were not happy with the manager, Bucky Dent, um, or Bucky not Bucky Dent, um. What what did I say his name is? Anyways, yeah, I'm not gonna have a regret from this. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, look it up, it's Bucky, right there. Yeah, you um, gotta bookmark Bucky, it. Bucky Harris, is that what I said his name is? Oh, i just drew a blank. Um yeah, Bucky Harris. Bucky so Harris. So anyways, right. so Bucky Harris had not, you know, he like um you know, say they were like Bucky Harris didn't do the job as the manager, you know, he didn't do the job as the manager. So um so they're like, you know, we need some, you know, we need a sweet player and we need a fiery manager. So, so why this was not the first have him do both, and it kind of saves us a little bit of money. So this is the sold. first time he was managing. First time he was managing. Okay, yeah, that's what All I mean. right. Yeah. So so it, because before that he had Connie Mack. Connie Mack one of the most all-time legendary managers in baseball history. Sure. And Connie Mack was the manager of the the Philadelphia Athletics. So um so when Mickey comes over to the Tigers, this is his first year as a manager, and he actually um he actually. Uh, Talked to uh, Connie Mack about like what do I need to you know for this team to be better, and he mm. was like, you know, Connie Mack was like, well, you need a third baseman. Your third baseman is horrendous. You know, like you got nobody at third base. Um, you know, he was like talking about a couple other players, but he really gave uh, you know Mickey some tips, you know, yeah. about what he should be, what he needed, and what he didn't. And um, yeah, so he so like so yeah, this was his first year as a manager, and so he comes in there, and that's like what comes next is is incredible. You know, Frank Naven – you know game, you know puts a hundred thousand dollars in Mickey yeah they're all broke you know he borrows yeah. money from his business partner oh, um, yeah. the and this the is Riggs. about
0: two million in today's money it's huge, easily yeah. but
1: yeah like you know like i say you know Depra- to like, but it's like if we say two million today and you know if we convert it to today's game, two million doesn't you know much in the world of baseball now, yeah um, but that was like but, it, but at the time the lo- it was just mega money yeah. it was mega it was huge it was a huge deal yeah in the middle of the depression, that's just yeah, crazy. Yeah. And so,
0: all right, so Mickey, Mickey's coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love the uh, pointing to the center field fence almost. Yeah, that's exactly uh, in one of the what it early was, press sure.
1: conferences. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Was this before when he just got the job or the beginning of the season? Well, I've
1: got two quotes. I've got, I can read them both. Just yeah, I, I love. Yeah, the, you know, you I can sit here and say that Mickey did it, or I can read from the people that, you yeah, in that time. And the first one is right off the back of the second book. This okay, is, right on. Um, right off the back. So this is uh, Bud Shaver, who's who doesn't get a lot of attention I mean he's really almost a forgotten Detroit sports writer he was a writer for the Detroit Times he was the uh, MC of this Champions Day uh, uh, MC of the Champions Day event like he mm-hmm. was the, the the whole you know the main host but um so so this so with the quote um and I love it because that's what I put it on the back of the book uh so the quote comes from a from a ma- a, a, a magazine called uh, who's who in baseball 1935 and so the who's who in baseball 1935 really was released at the beginning of 1935 so he is talking about the previous season in this. And so this and this in Who's Who in Baseball was was a massive publication at that time. It was like sort of the almanac of everything that had happened the prior year is a primer for what the upcoming season. So it was a huge thing, and um and I think it may still be going on today. But at the time it was huge. So yeah. anyway, so this is Bud Shaver's um article uh, again. This is um prior to the 1935 season, which um writing, writing about the previous year. So uh, this team can win the American League pennant, and what's more, we're going to win it. Black eyes flashing, gruff voice rasping with characteristic intensity, Mickey Cochran thus made his inaugural address to his players at Lakeland, Florida, March first, nineteen thirty four. It was delivered in a clubhouse so tiny that the players were pressed close around their new leader. Bucky Harris had managed the same team for five years without ever getting it out of the second division. They were not good enough and resigned to it, although something in Cochrane's determination stirred a faint hope. You see, so that's you see so he's something like I say, he's they're talking about it like, that's what he was doing. You know, this is the stuff he's saying. And I've got yeah. another one too by, I mean, I could read that one too if we want, but otherwise, um, this one's by H.G. Sal- Salzinger, and he's talking about Mickey that he was actually saying that same thing. All the way as early as the um, as the winter meetings, mm-hmm. right after he was signed by the Tigers, like he hadn't even signed the actual contract to, f- to play with the team in '34, and he was already saying, "We're going, we're winning the pennant, we're winning the pennant." And HG thousands like, "It was amazing, like nobody could believe him. Like we didn't even write about it because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> like we didn't want to embarrass him." You know? So
0: where Mickey came in as the manager and he made some player changes. Did he? Was that his? Responsibility to bring in different players,
1: yeah. I mean, he really he was like a you know, you know, manager slash kind of GM, you know, so it was kind of left, it was left up to him, um, to a certain degree as far as bringing in players. Um, so and, who did he line up for 34? So, well, that's so the idea, and that's what's so interesting is that really there was no major differences between the, the main, the biggest player, the really the biggest player addition was Goose uh, Goose, uh, Gossage, or I'm sorry, Goose, I'm sorry, I said, it, Goose Goslin was the biggest, um, was the biggest addition. Uh, uh, from that team, and Goose Goslin was viewed as a um sort of like over the hill, like tremendous hitter in his day. Yeah, like but he, like sort of looking at it as like a guy who was like sort of over the hill.
0: He was an older cat.
1: Yeah, he was okay. an old, a little bit older, older guy coming from you know, coming from Washington, from the Washington team, and um looked, viewed as uh viewed as somewhat over the hill. All right, and like you know basically expendable. Like his best years are behind him. You know maybe he's got a good year left, and know, who knows? But um so anyways, but you know Goose Goslin was the eventual Hall of Famer. I mean he's, he was a tremendous player in his day, and so okay. and so he was. And So he was, um, uh, you know, Mickey brings him in, you know, to play and you know play outfield for him, and so that was really the only major addition. It okay. really was. It was really the only major addition. So and, Mickey
0: and, and Goose, yes, were the the two the just the two big changes.
1: That was really the biggest changes, and he took this team from a bunch of losers into and and, and shaped them into. I mean, the most one of the most dominant teams in baseball history, thirty four and thirty five. These team this team could not be stopped. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, actually, I have other quotes. Too. I have a quote where, um, and I'd like to read that one, too, if we have a chance. Like, I mean, I, I you want me to read one right now? Is yeah, this, is yeah, this, yeah. Because I yeah. love it. Beca- I love it and because yeah. it, it shows, it It talks about the impact that he made coming out of, um, coming out of, uh, what do I actually mark the page here don't know. <laughs> no, awesome. So yes. One, yeah, so just Bring your sure. notes out. You, yeah. you don't yeah. have to hide them. All right. So, well, I just want to make sure that it doesn't take too long to find yeah. it. So, no. 116, I got it right here. So... Um,
0: you're not going to screw it up again, Charles. No, Come on, man. Get no, your notes I, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I just, there's a million quotes. I just want to make sure I get the right. So, um, right, poke so, the pooch in episode one. Yeah, Come on, man. No, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, so anyway, so here, so this is Eld Knocker. Eld Knocker's got a great, this is, comes out of El. Knocker. is one of the Tigers' best pitchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super young guy in 19, he was just trying to make the team, really, in 1934. All right. And he has a fantastic book called "Sleeper Cars and Flannel Uniforms." Tremendous book. Um, just you know, recalling some of his memories.
0: The player. The, his, C- yeah, his can you repeat that name?
1: Can you repeat that title name again for it's me? It's called "Sleeper Cars and Flannel Uniforms," and by Eldenocker. Yep, Elden yep. Okay. And Fair. so, yeah, and um, yeah, and so, uh, anyway, and Eldenocker was that was uh. Um, threw out the final pitch for for the Tigers, um, for the for the final Tigers game, mm-hmm. for the for the last uh, Detroit uh, Tiger, you know, for the, at at uh, Tiger Stadium, okay. Al Knocker was still alive at that point. Oh. Yes, yes. So, anyways, um, and he gave a speech at it and everything. Like he was, you know, tremendously, you know, he had this submarine delivery, underhand delivery. Um, let me just make sure I just want to make sure he threw out the because I know he had a major role in the thing. So let me just take a look Yeah. Right
0: um, so that was a that was a big that was a big day the 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 the, the switching of the stadiums uh, definitely exactly, changed, yeah. the, so, changed the change the vibe. Yeah, I, I think. actually have this
1: quote right here where he says, um, "So yeah, he said this is Alden Ocker, Just a little bit, I guess, of a sidetrack. So um so he so he lowered the flag for the final time at uh Tiger Stadium and he says Brad take this flag to Comerica Park your new home and take with it the boyhood dreams perseverance and competitive desire it takes to become a Detroit Tiger never forget us for we live on by those who carry on the Tiger tradition and who so proudly wear the old English D so so you see like he, he was a How huge How old was corner. he then? He had to be. He had to be. Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, it is. I am not sure about Yeah, that. yeah, he had to be. But, yeah.
0: Really kicking it.
1: All right. So I believe he threw out the opening pitch, Jamie. God, I don't want to... Well, you brought down the on. flag yeah, at the, the end very of the least, thing. He threw, brought down the flag, but I'm pretty sure that he also threw out the opening pitch. So anyways... Um so anyways, yeah, well, if it's not, we'll correct it again. But anyways, <laughs> but yeah, he, he was, you know, he had a hand in the ceremony at the very yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, um, so this is like his little quote here. This is where, where he taught this, and I love this. one. There's a bunch of different ones. And so, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different quotes that, I mean, like pretty much every player assigns Mickey Cochran, there, you know, as the guy who did, who made this huge change, you know, for Detroit. But I like this one because he talks about it, like the evolution from where we just talked about, like where, you know, we're from predicting it to the point, you know, to the beginning of the season. Um, this, like, this is like a perfect transition to show how he did it. To mm-hmm. show how he did it. So, this is again, this is Eldon Auker from Sleeper Cars and Flannel Uniforms. So, Mickey Cochran was the perfect player and the perfect manager in the perfect situation. He was just what the city of Detroit and the Tigers organization needed. We all met Mickey on the first day of spring training in 1934. Right away, it was obvious to all of us that this man was something special. He was a natural born leader. We held meeting after meeting. Cochran talked in a way that held our attention. He would stand up and start talking to us about confidence and about playing in the World Series and what it was like to win the pennant. How great a feeling it was. The more he talked, the more charged up everybody got. A few weeks into spring training, he stood up and said, We've got a ball club here that can win a pennant. I know. I've played for pennant winners, and I'm telling you, this ball club is as good as any ball club I've ever seen. At first, we didn't know what to make of that, and, and we and were looking at each other thinking, he must be crazy or something. We thought of ourselves as just a bunch of young guys who had all finished the middle of the standings, and now he was comparing us to the A's of Al Simmons, Jimmy Fox, and Lefty Grove. At, at first, we thought, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> by the, but by the, end of, by the end of the meeting, we started believing it. We started believing and we started playing like we believed it. We played those exhibition games as if they were the seventh game of the World Series. We held nothing back. As a team, we took on the spirited personality of our manager. When we went to New York for the first series of the year, Mickey had us all fired up. He told us not to speak to any of the Yankees. He told us to get mean. We're not here to make it to make friends, Cochran told us during a clubhouse meeting before the series. We're here to whip the hell out of them. For him to talk with such confidence... When the opponent was the Yankees gave us all a belief in ourselves we had never experienced. That's when we knew we could win the pennant. Six of our eight regulars batted 300 or better and we finished the season with a 300 team batting, 300 team batting average. It was Cochran, not triple, triple crown winner Lou, Lou Gehrig, who was voted most valuable player of the American League that season. One year after winning 75 games, we won 101 and finished seven games ahead of the second place Yankees. Mickey carried the fight on the field by the way he ran the bases, the way he the way he blocked the plate and the way he battled pitchers with a, with a bat in his hands, he always kept the bench going. Always made sure everyone who wasn't playing in the game was into the game mentally, emotionally, and vocally. So you get an idea that right you can on. you can see the, the you can see the how the how bringing him in there. Kind of, yeah. Auker's like we're just a bunch of young guys who were out you know finished like you know in the middle of the standings, um, you know who are we? And he, Mickey comes in there and says. We're gonna do it. Yeah. We're going to do it. And it's like, I mean, it's like quote after quote after quote after quote, um, is just players talking about how, you know, what he said to them, Hank Greenberg. I mean, all these guys they are sitting there talking about just what, it, how big it was that this guy comes in and it was this belief. It was this like, I mean, it wasn't you know, like that we are going to do this, you see? And it was like, and, and that's really, that's like one of my favorite components of this entire city of champions story. That you have this, um, that you ha- you know that he comes in here and just says, um, "We are going to win." You know, we're going to do it, and he puts himself out there. And it was just you know this this um, you know this desire like we're going to do it. But you know, winning believes that you're going to do it. You're yeah. going, you know, you're gonna you know at the very least you're gonna go down. And you're not you're gonna you know you're not you're gonna go down fighting at the very least. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so yeah.
0: How many games um, would would a, a season be? Uh, like in 1934, 1935. How many games comparatively to today?
1: 158 back. Then. They
0: would still play. Uh, yep. So how many do they play today?
1: Uh, 162. Okay. So yep. I mean, not so it's just a handful, just a few shorter. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep. Not
0: this year, but <laughs> yeah, not this year. Sure. sure but sure. okay, so there
1: 16 teams, 16 teams back then. So eight in each. So league. they play
0: 150 games. At what point in 158? 158, yep. 158 games. At what point in the season they were like, hey fellas. We might have this. Yeah, where where is it? I mean, I know they were feeling it from the get go from that spring training. But when did when did it catch on with the city? Like, what were the? Do we know like what the attendance was? Well, I'm make
1: sure they have 158 game I'm, sorry, <laughs> I'm not gonna have to back up. I'm gonna make sure this is because I'm 18, really curious. I'm, I'm, curious. Like I'm kind of curious. One fifty three. Like what kind of attendance? Pause this thing. What? 1934 Tigers record. Hold on one second. Yeah. And
0: then, but I'm just kind of curious, like, what kind of attendance did games have, like, in, in the, it just
1: varied by the team, you know, in 33. 33. No, I mean,
0: mean, like the Tigers. I mean, what kind of attendance did they have in, in 32 and 33? And then dreadful. How did, how did, how did attendance? You know, change.
1: I got it uh, wrong. I did get it wrong. So it's 154. Okay. 154. So I'm mistaken again. I'm glad I caught it. I don't want to pause it the next episode. <laughs> like, so we're going for accuracy here as much yeah, as possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, you no, know,
0: and I'm asking you questions you, I, we didn't. You know, like I like said we were just well, had the conversation. Their attendance jumped from
1: something. Their, their attendance jumped from something like in 1933, it was something around uh, seven thousand fans a game, mm-hmm. and then in 19 and then uh, in 1934, it jumped up to in the 14,000 fans a game. I mean, it was it easily doubled, mm-hmm. easily doubled. And in, in the Tigers, 1934 drew something around like 960,000 fans for those games. Okay, uh, and then the t- 35 Tigers drew over a million. Wow, over a million. So yeah, it was um it was huge. Yeah, it was a you know dramatic improvement. I mean, you yeah. had teams like the Browns that were drawn like I mean, dreadfully. I think it was like I mean, it was like four hundred or eight hundred fans, again. it was it was real ugly. So. Okay, so it just you know it um the attendance, yeah, it just I mean it varied by team, of course. Sure, but the Tigers were definitely one. I mean, it was they were. Um, They they accounted for a massive percentage of 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 the entire American League's attendance in 1934. So So
0: was there a point in the season where they had the pennant locked up and they had some games to go? Yeah, 34. You can
1: see, well, you know, in that awkward quote, you can see he says, you know, they 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 finished seven games ahead of the Yankees in in 1934. So that was a significant, you know, that was a pretty big distance that they put on between them. And 35 was a little bit closer because they had sort of a late season swoon, like they sort of like nosedived a little bit towards the end of the season. And so it got a little bit closer margin, but they actually won. Um, they actually won the game. The 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 35 pennant was won um uh, on Eldenocker's birthday. Oh. And so yeah, so he was he was what he was the pitcher of the of the day when they won the 35 pennant. So it was like a big deal, you know. Yeah. And, was, um, and so yeah, so yeah, there it was. They they had a little bit of a margin, but I mean it was intense all the way. You I know, mean, you're playing the Yankees. The Yankees were their not were the team that was chasing them in both years. So. Um, you know, you can't. It's never really until it's mathematically over. I mean, the, there's any, you know, you cannot sleep on the Yankees. I mean, yeah. My God. So,
0: um, so all right, so Mickey Cochran, um, he impacted everybody. What's somebody else that he really moved? You said there was another quote you wanted to share from someone else he really motivated. Well, there's just a ton. Team. I
1: mean, like I say, it's it's just you know, it, there's a, there's a, I mean, there is a couple more quotes that I've got here. Um, you know, it just I guess it kind of depends on sort of. I've got I've got a quote that kind of shows. Uh, uh, Mickey's like, you know, the kind of spirit, like it's actually like, captures a moment yeah, in time yeah. of, a, of a play. I can read this too. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, number one, this kind of shows, it kind of gives an idea of like the type of character he was. And you know, this is actual in game. And I actually use this exact scenario because the screenplay, I want, my goal of the screenplay was to make it historically accurate. Right. And so I actually use this, this um, concept, this quote, it, to build a scene in the screenplay. Okay. To show because I'm like, it's real. I'm trying to make something as real as possible. Uh huh. So this is a a, a a quote from the Detroit Times um, in from July thirtieth, uh, nineteen thirty five. So Mickey says, uh, so so the, so the article says it didn't have a, a, an author, but it's just from the Detroit Times. So I am thinking now of the fifth inning of yesterday's game. Russell Van Atta twice threw at Mickey's head. Cochran took a couple of steps forward, shot flaming words in Van Atta's direction. Then he stepped back to the plate, gripped his bat tight, and laid down a bunt with the hopes that Van Atta would cover first base. Mickey tore down the baseline and threw himself at the bag, spikes riding high. There was no Van Atta to meet him. When Van Atta was knocked out of the box, he swaggered past Mickey in the catcher's box and said, I thought you were a better sport than that. I, and then Mickey says, "I thought you were th- Mickey says, "I thought you were throwing at me, especially that second time, and if you had fielded that bunt, I would have cut you down If you weren't throwing or if you weren't throwing it throwing at me, forget it if you if you were, don't field any bunts I dragged down the first base line you you can take it either way, said said Mickey. <laughs> I got guts enough to throw at you even if you would try to cut me retorted Van Atta suit yourself said Cochran it's all the same to me whether you were throwing at me or not <laughs> so he was. Gu- so he actually laid a bunt down the baseline yeah, so yeah. that Van Atta would the pitcher would <clears throat> cover the bag and he could then cut him down with his cleats <laughs> that's Mickey right I mean, that's, so that's, that's and a, he's a standing up for his team standing up for himself yeah and uh, just yeah, motivating the boys yeah Mickey's the type the of guy like as a catcher like one of the things that he was like known for yeah. was that he that he hated like he hated to see a runner across the plate. Like he hated seeing the other team. Like he would actually. He was a former football player. He was a tremendous football player. Some say he was better at football than baseball uh. in college. And that. And so um, they. Uh, and so. Uh, so they like they would say that he, the, the runner would be coming home, and he would actually like hit the runner. Like if, the, if it was a close play at the plate, he had this you this special ability to basically you know football hit, like, block the runner, you know, like, hit the runner and then catch the ball and tag him, like, in a motion. You know what I mean? If the runner was, like, a step yeah. or two ahead of the ball, he was able to hit that runner, catch the ball, and tag him. You know, like, that's the kind of player he was. He would, like, not give up a run. He would right. never give up a run. Like, that was his entire thing was, like – if there was any way that he would, you know, prevent a run, he would, you know, he would do it. So,
0: so he lit the fire. These guys came alive. Yeah. Thirty-four. They win the pennant, yeah. and that puts them in the World
1: Series. Puts them in the World Series, and, they, and, and the Tigers at one point are up in the st- up up in the series. Yeah, um, they're up in the series, and then they and then they they lose in that seventh and final game.
0: So okay, so it went all the, the way to the seven Cardinals. games.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of listeners might be familiar with the the, the Medwick incident. Where, where the idea was is that, um, is that the Tiger is that, uh, uh, Medwick had slid into third base. And, um, uh, in and, 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 uh, spiked Marv Owen at third base. And uh-huh. the Tigers were already getting beat pretty bad at that point. And so the, and it just was the last straw for the fans. And so the fans just started showering the, f- the field with debris. It was, uh-huh. they were in Detroit. And uh-huh. so the Detroit fans just lost it. And they were throwing, <laughs> really? Yeah. They, yeah they Detroit were throwing, fans? Yeah. They were throwing so much <laughs> stuff on the field that they like wouldn't let, um, Medwick like come, like when Medwick was coming back out on defense after the inning was over they wouldn't even let him come back out like they were pelting him with so much debris oh my god yeah and so they actually the so the chicken wire
0: yeah why so is commissioner, there so, commissioner wire? Landis, so commissioner landis commissioner landis actually
1: uh, pulled medwick from the game just so that they could finish the game and uh, be done with it yeah. so it's like the only case like where like a commissioner of baseball has actually like removed a player yeah, from the you field got, you know what i mean just to calm yeah. the fans down cuz it was like there was almost like a near riot uh, right? and so they had to pull him from the game and then you know of course the Cardinals are protesting, saying you can't pull our guy from the game because the fans are out of control.
0: Right, you know, right, right. Said, but the Cardinals were up anyway; they were way up. I think it was yeah. eleven to four that they uh, were winning. Yeah, okay. so it
1: was it was it was well over, and they were, it was like the seventh or eighth. It might even have been the ninth. And it was like towards the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. So, so they were just trying to like like let's just get the game over. It's it's you know it was it was that. So. Um, but you can see, like you know, they go all the way. They have this incredible year in nineteen thirty four. Mm-hmm. They come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mickey makes this, you know, decoration. That's close. Well, close, yeah. And they go all the way to the World Series. They're up in the World Series, and then they ended up losing in the seventh mm-hmm. game. So, just it's absolutely. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I mean, what a. Ma- I mean, it was like this magical ride. That right. it was like you know, for, it was for all these people at night thirty four. It must have seemed almost like destiny or. Or something like this. This is like an inevitability, you know. And and and, and this, keep in mind, this is the Tigers' fourth attempt at a World Series. It's right. their fourth attempt trying to win a World Series. Because yeah. they, they still them. haven't won one yet. They haven't won one yet. They, they, they went to three World Series with Ty Cobb, 1907, 1908, 1909. They lost twice against the Cubs. They lost once against the Pirates uh, in 1909. And then it was 34 that they, they play the Cardinals, and they lose that in the seventh game. So uh. they're like – you know, like, you know, in the, to now, the mentality is like, did the Tigers get lucky? You know, did they catch sure. lightning in a bottle? Was yeah. it a fluke? Yeah. And so that's what really, you know, hit, you know, hit them hard was like, did we just miss a chance? Cause they hadn't been in the World Series since 1909. Like, so what was, what chance? was
0: Mickey's response to that come spring training Cla- next year?
1: Classic Mickey response. You know, we're going to do it. We're going to win <laughs> this year. We're winning the World Series. You know, we're, we're going to, but in the 1935 was, was tricky, was, was, was really a tougher situation because, because in 34, you know, they, it was like, they wrote this, this just like magical run. Like nobody was expecting them. They were underdogs like in every game yeah. In 35, they're like, now they're like, I mean, they're expected to do it. Sure. You know, they're like expected to do it so in 35 they started off horribly like some mm. of the stars of 35 were doing were playing terrible schoolboy road was the, the the ace of 1934 the sensation of 1934 35 he was pitching terrible mm. and the tigers were at the, like, the bottom of the standings at as late as may in the were there, were there, did
0: mickey make many uh, lineup changes between 34
1: and 35 no I mean again it was really the same lineup it was really it really is was, it, was, it was the same lineup same group of players and um, and, you know there was but like I say it was like sort of a, it was kind of a different vibe because now they're you know they whereas thirty-four they were underdogs and riding this wave of enthusiasm and you yeah. know, young guys playing against the world and this. Um in thirty-five it's it's almost kinda like now they're all stars, you know? Yeah. Now they're like all basically like stars and they're expected to do it kind of thing. And sure. and uh um so there you know there's great you know bigger expectations and all the national media was were, were saying you know the you know the the Tigers got lucky in nineteen thirty five. They they're thirty four. They got totally lucky and so when they started off flat in in the beginning of 1935 mm-hmm. it basically just gave ammunition for the national media saying we told you they were terrible we told you they were terrible sure. so in this case you know like say Mickey's going in 1935 without you know schoolboy Rowe who was his, again who was his ace in 1934 was pitched with pitched terribly the first half of the season all of his hitters were cold the player the the outfielders like the outfielders were making tons of errors um, they, 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 you know, this incredible outfield in 1934, it was just a, was just like fumbling the ball over the place in, in 1935. And really the main guy that was carrying them, like, I mean, the entire first, even Mickey was playing terrible. Even okay. Mickey was playing terrible yeah. in 35. And so, um, and so that's why, in, so 1935, the beginning of the year is Hank Greenberg, Hank Greenberg like i mean this is a superstar slugger who's um yeah. whose name is on the wall of comerica and who's one of the greatest uh first baseman for you know players of all time legendary um and so he uh and so it was Hank Greenberg in 1935 that virtually carried the tigers for the entire first half of the season i mean he mm-hmm. was he was so good that he like he almost like single-handedly carried the tigers until the team started getting revved up and started to play like they could play And you know in the middle of the year it was like i say at the end of may the Tigers were we were with bottom half of the league. They were they were still playing terrible. And Mickey once again comes in saying, you know, we're we're gonna do it. It doesn't matter how what our record is. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we're 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 gonna do it. So, and then you know, then the team started to write the ship. And Schoolboy Row was really one of the last players to start to really come around. And my I speculate in the book. Um, that schoolboy role, his son, like, he'd had, he had 1934 with schoolboy role was really noteworthy for, besides his incredible performance on, on offense and defense, he was a tremendous hitter besides being a pitcher. Um, was, he was well known for, um, for his, uh, there was like a, a romance. Um, with a girl named Edna Skinner, who is yeah, yeah. Bow. well, he was on a national radio show. He was on a national radio show, at Eddie Cantor show, which was a national show at that time. Yeah, and so he, like, he had been, you know, courting his high school sweetheart, oh. um, uh, Edna Skinner, and so he says to her, he says on the radio, he goes, "How am I doing, Edna?" You know, like, <laughs> says something like this to her, right? And so, and and like a, na- a nation of listeners are listening to him say this, and they go, they just you know, the women swoon over. Oh my uh. God, I wish my I wish my um you know my man would say something Adrian! on the radio about me yeah you know? <laughs> so yeah like that kind of How thing Oh I doing it at yeah yes yeah, so, yeah so so anyway so it was like so this romance between <laughs> the two of them was like front page news I mean uh-huh. it was like a media sensation yeah. and so like they were, it got to the point like in 1934 like there's I have a I have a quote in the book where they actually dropped a uh, there was an airplane that flew over and dropped a, a package from a plane a, this brown paper package <laughs> with a parachute and it landed in the middle of the game field, <laughs> and these fans ran onto the field and tore this package apart. And there was this huge flower corsage for Edna. For, for, um, yeah, for, for Edna. Ah. And so they bring this this corsage up to Edna. You know, I mean, like, I mean, it was in the middle of a baseball game, right? I mean, it wasn't from Schoolboy row either. It was like you know, God knows, it was just like a, a thing. You know, it was like to kind of amplify the romance or something. Um, but like I say, like that's how big it was, and then so they had gotten married in the off season. Okay. Edna. and they had a child. Uh, in his schoolboys, Lin Linwood uh, Rowe was his name. And right. it was Linwood Junior, and Linwood Junior was sick. He was born uh, sick, and he had uh, this, uh, some uh, uh, all these different illnesses. And so I speculate. Um, that, that, that may have had a major factor on his performance in 35 okay. because yeah. he was just so distracted because it was, I, you know, the illness. I'm not sure how long the illness lasted, but, um, you know, like it, it was, it's just strange that a player of the magnitude that he was in 34 had such a, just a huge fall right. in 35. And then he would, that, in that he would come back towards the end of the year and really start to pitch like on fire again. Like he did come back and ended up being one of the most important pitchers the Tigers had. So how did how did Mickey
0: did Mickey turn around his performance turn around? Absolutely, as well?
1: yeah. They you know stormed towards the end of the you know you know he they all did. The whole you know, by the that's what I'm kind of trying to get at is you know Hank you know Hank Greenberg really carried the team the first half of the year yeah. and then you know long enough just long enough for the rest of the team to finally they like everybody was in a slump for the first half except for Hank who was just red hot and so he and so um uh, and then so like I say he carried him long enough that uh that the, when the when the rest of the team did ke- finally click that it was just game over you yeah. know game yeah, over yeah, yeah. they were like because Hank didn't stop Hank was yeah. the MVP in 1935 he was an absolute monster so that's what i mean like so you know now it's not just Hank in the end of the year it's the whole bunch is back you know and they it's you know that's what i mean so it, you know it uh, you know he carried it you know he the, so yeah so yeah but Mickey was the one that was still like the driving force like I don't care what our record is, you know. We're still going to do it. This is, you know, we're making this happen. It doesn't matter what our record is. You know, all you mm-hmm. naysayers are going to be you know the last ones to see it. So. <laughs> and and they did it. Yeah. So,
0: where where does Mickey's career go from there after after 35? How long is he with the Tigers and then what is is with is this? them?
1: Uh yeah, so he's with them for another full year. That uh, I, th- I believe he was injured at that in that um, set in that that third year with the team, and then he and then he had another half season where he got hit in the face by a baseball, mm. and so and it and it, and it, it was, he was over. It was over for him. He okay. tried to come back as a uh, just as a manager, and it and he was just not he was just not all there. I mean, yeah. it really uh, really messed him up, and it's really kind of sad because one of the one of the best um there's a, a great uh, this baseball which I really enjoy, It's Ty Cobb and mm-hmm. um. Uh, a movie called Ty Cobb and, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? Um, anyways, this movie called Ty Cobb and they, in Mickey Cochran is in the movie, like as an actor portraying Mickey Cochran. Yeah. And, uh, he is, it's like, you know, he's like a drunk and like, you know, oh. kind of like, you know, they they really don't, it just is, and he, and, he, and he, like not saying that, like, I mean, his career, you know, he didn't, it's not like it's inaccurate portrayal of him, but it was, it's just kind of sad to see it because it's like, there's never really been a movie, you know. I just think that Mickey Cochran is one of these characters, you know, one of these players that, you know, his name. He's a Hall of Famer, and you know, every once in a while, you know, his name is sort of referenced to different elements of baseball. It's not like his, you know, he's been like forgotten, you know, necessarily, but, but, um, it's just like it's just had like pretty much like the only movie that's ever been made where he's in it. He's like this, you know, drunk and whatever, and you know, it's like as I mean, like he got hit in the face by a baseball and it, you know, it just destroyed him. I mean, it's you know, it just wrecked him. So these players, they give. Give it all, yeah. They, and they didn't wear so helmets back many then of them. either. Yeah. Too, you get hit in the face, you know, hitting the head by a baseball. It's yeah. like, it, you know, who knows what kind of damage it does. Yeah, like for yeah. Mickey, it wrecked him. It did, uh, you know, it you know, it pretty much, um, you know, ended him. So, um, yeah. So it, uh, yeah. So, but like I say, Mickey, it was just he was just huge. You know, he was it was, and that's like one of the main components of this is like, I put him on the cover of the second book. Like, um, you know, it's like he was just. He was so pivotal, and I can you know, mm-hmm. again. I, we could go through article after article after article, quote after quote after quote from the books, just to show how I mean every single, um, you know, like it's just like how much credit everyone gave him for being the, you know, that that the heartbeat of this team. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like I say, it, you know, it, it was huge. And one of the one of the sort of campaigns that I'm on is. Uh, is is to try to is Mickey is Mickey Cochran? He he played nine years with the Philadelphia Athletics and three three and a half years with the Tigers, um, and so he's sort of like you know like. One of the th- campaigns that I'm trying to you know talk about, and I actually say this in the book. I make a special section in the book about why Mickey Cochran's number should be retired by yeah, the Tigers. Yeah. Is it retired in it's, Philadelphia? It's not retired by either team. Okay. Um, well, the Philadelphia A's did they go? That's what I'm saying they left. Now they're in Oakland. So okay. it's like why would you know kind of Oakland retire the number of a, You know that's what I mean. That's like why yeah. he's like sort of like lost in the middle of this. Sure. Because um because so 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 his number was number three, which okay. is the same number as Alan Trammell's number. Mm-hmm. Um and so the idea so Mickey his name. is, is on the wall of Comerica Park, yeah. but it's, it's an it's like it's called like an honored, honored, yeah, name. it's yeah, not yeah. like his number's not retired, it's just his name on the is wall. Is Trammell's number retired? No, but it's okay. expected that at some point his number, you know, most likely will be, yeah, um, but a yeah, nice but, dual ceremony, exactly. I, that's what I'm saying, like, it'd be, I think it'd be great, and it's that's why sort of time is at the essence because if they do retire Trammell's number, um, you know, like, like, because but there's precedent for it because, sure. um, the the, the the New York Yankees retired the number eight. Uh, with Bill, with Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra, both catchers, mm, right, and so they, they, it was like a dual number. Like that number was so big, it was so important. There was two legendary, um, you know, players that both had that number. That like the, that, that nobody ever wearing that number could be good enough, you know, could have more value to this league, you know, than these players. That's that's kind of the. the, the Did Trammell
0: uh, wear it because of Mickey, or is no, that no? That not Trammel's that I've just... not that I've ever heard, it. Okay. I don't think so. No. All
1: right. Um, but that's what I mean. But it, you know, how cool it'd be that like, you know, between the combinations of Trammell and Mickey Cochran, like no, you know, no combination of players yeah. will ever be, will ever have an impact on a team th- like these two did, you know? And so, um, yeah. And so, but one of the, one of the main arguments, and this is kind of what I wanted to get at is that one of the main arguments against retiring Mickey, not, th- not that there's been some big media argument about this. Yeah. There's never been a like, really, it's just on, um, you know, nobody talks about it at all. And that's where I'm trying to, you know, begin the conversation Um, about it because, uh, um, because one of the main requirements usually for retiring a a player's number is that they played the majority of their career Uh, with a team, right? right? Like the, at least the majority or if not all of their career with the same team.
0: Yeah. But come on, 1935.
1: But here, but I got the, (laughs) but I've got the magic, you know, the, 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 the big thing that, you know, that flips this case because Mickey Cochran, when we, when he went into the hall of fame and I got the number written down right here. Um, he went in the Hall of Fame in 1947, uh-huh. right? And so when you go in the Hall of Fame, you have to pick a, a pick a, a a team to represent when you go in the Hall of Fame yeah, on your baseball cap. Yeah, can you guess what team he went in the Hall of Fame wearing?
0: He's a tiger.
1: He went in as a tiger. Okay, he was he. Played and the with, player gets to pick that. The player gets to pick it. So with the, that's what I'm trying to say. So this let me just lay out the two credentials for the two teams. Uh, I'm done. I'm you in. Have, yeah, you have nine years with the A's. Yeah, he won an MVP. He went to um he went to three World Series, one two. One-two. Yeah. One and so nine years with this, with his A's team, played with the Tigers for three and a half years. He went to two World Series, one one in an MVP. So statistically speaking, there's no it's a no-brainer he should have gone in as an A. No brainer. Yeah. So why would he go? So, like this is what I'm saying. He went in as a tiger. That's how special that year those years were for him. And so I guess what I'm saying is is Um is how can how can uh his not inclusion for his retirement number be based on his lack of years with the Tigers when he himself disregarded that 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 whole concept and did eternal glory for the Detroit Tigers? Um, by choosing them as his Hall of Fame. You see what I'm saying? Like, that, that's from, that's, that's really the anchor of my cases. Let's get
0: somebody on the phone.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's, you know, that's why I'm glad to do this show is a <laughs> chance to bring these cases out and say. I I'm forwarding forward yeah, this episode to yeah. uh, Well, that's what I mean. You know, and that's what I'm saying. And, and, and you know, in a lot of times, you know, it's uh, Charlie Garinger and Hank Greenberg are both players from the 34 and 35 Tigers and both of their numbers are retired. Yeah. Which is great. You know, they, they deserve it. You know, absolutely. Um, but I'm just saying, like, Mickey, man, he, like, I'm telling you, like, a lot, I mean, like, there's a lot of, there's a bunch of different stuff you can read on him. Uh, my book, I, like, I do a nice little, you know, a summary, I think, of him in 1934 and 35 and how he got there and everything. Um, but there's, I mean, you know, he's, he's just an incredible player. And he was the, I mean, he was the heartbeat of this. I and mean, he was the driving force of this entire. Tigers thing. And, you know, and and again, the Tigers, the Tigers thing that was called the, you know, we call it the Genesis for, you know, for this um, episode is, and it really was like this, this guy, you know, this is the the beginning with this point, um, you know, the Tigers, you know, just creating this mania in the city for, for baseball led to the arrival of the Lions and it led to the, the the Red Wings really making an effort to um to spend some money and you know make sure that they want that they, they could keep pace with the Tigers, with the Lions, with the sports enthusiasm of the city. And again, ultimately the entire city of champions story. Uh, so, it's the spark we needed. Exactly. And Mickey he Cochran. The, he was the guy, man. Yeah. Get him in that Hall of Fame. Mickey retire he's got, that number. He's, yeah, he's in the hall of fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that number so, retired. Yeah, <laughs> the number retired. That's what I mean. Yeah. So right on all right, yeah. so
0: Detroit City of Champions, uh, the website is Detroit City of Champions. Uh, dot .com. Dot com yeah. And uh, the books are available there and and again there's tons more on Mickey's story. Uh, in there, We can only skim the surface, really, on, on these. Yeah. It's There's been a, so it's many been an quotes hour. and articles. Yeah, uh, it goes like, quick, man. I love it. <laughs> but, I, but I love
1: the opportunity to really focus on, on you know. Just I like thought it was going to be say, a half hour. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. we're going to do it a half I hour. The, now, it's an hour yeah, in. Yeah, but like, I just oh. love the chance to actually focus on Mickey for a second. You know, like I said. You got most of your facts right. Way to go. Most of them. I got to tune it up a little bit. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not taking any chance. I got to keep notes of everything No,
0: that's awesome. And again, we're just having a conversation. You're pulling most of the stuff out of your head. It's 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 astound. I can't remember my address. Yeah. Uh, well. So you know. Yeah. Well, like I
1: say, I want to make sure I get this stuff right. So it's, uh, um, I gotta
0: just ask Siri, "Hey, get me home." Yeah. And it's well, I had like, to refer
1: you know, to it once already to make sure you know it is what it is. But <laughs> like I say, we'll we'll get there. You know? All right, we'll DetroitCityOfChampions
0: dot com. Uh, take a second if you would and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give it a like. Give it a comment. Uh, it's extraordinarily uh, helpful. Uh, if you want to reach us again, DetroitCityOfChampions You can uh, reach out to. Charles there, DJ Jamie Detroit uh, on all the socials. There's a website with that title as well. Uh, Podcast Detroit, uh, all the socials and and all that. Um, next week, more of it, right? We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna. I jump. forgot
1: to even look at the what, what's the next episode. It's uh, <laughs>
0: bad news bears. Yeah, I call it the bad news bears. We might have to,
1: ch- we might have to change it. To, I, 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 I call it the we call it the bad news bears because because the, they you know because it was like that kind of bunch like they were totally yeah. unexpected. They had a ton of characters. Um right now it's Bad News Bears. Let's see. We're going to do an overview of the 1934 team. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's uh, the idea. Yeah. In the next a lot episode of the other and too.
0: so many and we're going to dive into the uh, other individual uh t- tiger players too, a couple of the other ones yeah. that uh, were really instrumental.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I mean. There's there's a ton of dynamics between mm. them, the the player, the tiger players. There was it's it's a crazy bunch. That's why I like, you know, the, the Bad News Bears is kind of like the header of this <laughs> episode because it really gives you, you know, it just, like I say, it, it kind of conjures the notion of like t- how all these players were. I mean, they were a tremendous team, but they were a bunch of characters. They yeah, were, yeah. they were just a rollicking, fun loving bunch that were, I mean, some of these guys hated each other. They loved each other. Ah, I mean, um, we'll get there next week. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, Right on. Huh? Yep. All
0: right, Charles, thanks, man. All right. That's, that's it. Game. Detroit City of Champions. We'll do it again next time.